Bienvenue au Tour de France Femmes. C'était la cinquième étape. On est le château Albi. C'est à toi, Abby. Hello and welcome back to the Wheel Talk podcast on the Escape Collective feed. My name is Abby Mickey. I'm joined by Matt Deneef. Can I already introduce myself? Yeah, okay, I'm so so regular now. <laughs> you don't even take the time to introduce me. Well, I'm Edith Slappenel. Hello, nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you too. I want to say before I do this ad read for the Escape Collective, a huge thank you to Jose Bain also for our podcast um, intros every day. It, I think it really adds a little bit of, I don't know, panache, style, shazam. That's not right. Matt's nodding, so I know I'm right. Okay, before we dive into today's episode about stage five of the Tour de France Femme of Egg Swift, we are building the best damn bike website on the planet and we need your help. Join the Escape Collective and get access to all of our content. Monthly subscriptions start at $6.99 US dollars a month or become an annual member and save 30%. Pretty good deal. It's a good chunk. For more information and to support our vision, head to escapecollective.com slash join. That's escapecollective.com slash join. And thanks so much... For everyone who's already signed up. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, you, did, you did not look to me in particular. <laughs> I'm so happy I signed up already. Otherwise, I would feel so uh, embarrassed right now. I would be putting you on the spot. <laughs> exactly. A little bit. All right. Should we talk about today's stage? It was yes. another wild one. And actually... It was funny, before the stage, I think a lot of people <coughs> thought it was going to be a sprint. And I was pretty adamant that it was going to be a breakaway day. I even picked Kashini Wadoma in my fantasy comp because I thought that it would be a spicy day. And I got the team right. Yeah, you were close. Super close. And I, I want to talk about that, but we'll get to that pretty soon. Where should we start? Yeah, good question. I think a lot of people were surprised that it wasn't a sprint. Um, in her press conference after the stage, a lot of Kopecky said she was surprised as well that it didn't come down to a sprint. And I think you were at the UAE bus afterwards and they, they had some choice words about the fact that it wasn't a sprint. <laughs> yeah, Kira Consoni was in, in the like cooling tub that every team has now. Um, and... Persico was on the trainer cooling down and the DS like drove up and got out of the car and they started doing the Italian three finger. Yeah. It's a, it's a sprint today. It's a sprint today. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just yelling at the oh, DS. Funny. So it was, it was pretty yeah. hilarious. I guess, uh, yeah, the DS thought it was going to be a sprint. Also, uh, Demi said that it could have been a sprint. So there was a lot of, a lot of possibilities, a lot of people who thought it was going to be a sprint for sure. Yeah, and actually, uh, I also thought it was going to be a sprint from a reduced group. Mm. But that's why I picked the force. But um, actually, when I was on a course behind the peloton, I was like, well, anyone who had reckoned this course could maybe have figured out the chance for a breakaway as well. Because it was really, really hard. Yeah, Demi reckoned the course, actually. And she said it was one of the hardest days on the bike for her. And so... But she still thought, okay, it could come down to a sprint, but it depends how the day starts. And the day started really hard and just stayed. You can eat your chips. I see. 
<laughs> it's like, d do you still want to do a vibe check as well? <laughs> yeah, because now the scene is set with like, I have chips. It's true. I there's so much in Fruits? my brain with ha that happened today that I feel I wanted to just dive in. But you're right. We should, we should set the scene. Do you want to set the scene? <laughs> Matt, will you set the scene for us? I can do that. We are sitting on a rooftop of some sort of building. I think it's like a museum, maybe, or uh, some kind of theater. Theater. There you go. Thanks, Iris. Yeah, we're looking out over the town of Alby, which would be an amazing view if it weren't for these giant metal. You know, screens that are put up for some reason to, to block the view. I don't know what that's about, but um, it's quite nice up here. The restaurant's lovely. We have our dinner sitting in front of us, a couple of salads and a, a bagel of some kind with some chips that Iris is munching on. But yeah, another lovely evening. It's, um, yeah, it's starting to cool down a bit and uh, yeah, the vibes are good, I would say. Do you have anything to add to the vibes? No, nice cold beer. That was something I was looking forward to all day. <laughs> yeah, I want to hear about your day. I feel like since we're vibing right now, we can get back to the race. How was your day on the moto in your S leather jacket? Sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but otherwise it was good, actually. Yeah, so what I do, it's it might be interesting, actually. I don't know, maybe not, but then you can just cut it out. But <clears throat> because the, the broadcast starts at 3, uh, 3.20 actually. Um, so we, I don't go on the bike, on the motorbike from the start. So we meet at a certain point mm. where all the motor drivers yeah, are probably having lunch, etc. So I go with the car to the meeting point and then I meet my French bunch of motor guys. And one of, one of them is my driver. Uh, and then we go on the bike and it's like around 2 today, I think, 2.30. And then we have, as he calls it, our free ride. So until the broadcast uh, starts. So where we can just like relax behind the peloton basically and wave to people. <laughs> and then uh, and then when the broadcast starts around 3.20, then I need to start really paying attention. Of course, I'm paying attention all the time what's happening in the peloton. And I'm thinking all the time like, oh, what, what are the, the things I can say that I notice? Uh, but otherwise, yeah, on the back of the bike, it's uh, yeah, you're either behind the peloton or you, we sometimes we go behind the breakaway, um, try to talk with DSs um, if possible, and um, yeah, otherwise, um, yeah, hold him very tight sometimes when it's like a sketchy descent. And he told me actually that he he used to be a, a racer, and he he won once in Albi. Um, like uh, there's apparently a racetrack here. Oh wow! Um, so yeah, I think today he was in the race vibe because <laughs> we went <laughs> really fast by, <laughs> yeah, by points. But I actually love it. It's I think it's it's so great to be like the adrenaline of like uh, cornering in the descent on the back is quite uh, is quite fun. <laughs> Sometimes I close my eyes and just cross my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a good driver, so uh, Would yeah. you ever buy yourself a motorbike? Well, actually, up until this week, I was a bit like, it's quite nice to be driven around, like, to just sit here in the back. <laughs> but this week, I started to feel like maybe it would be nice to actually have my license and drive mm. myself. Yeah. So, mixed feelings. I'm not sure yet. What's your favorite part about being on the bike? Like... What's your favorite part of the race to kind of see from the bike? Um, so I think my favorite part is basically the adrenaline that you have on the bike, which is a bit similar as being in a peloton. Um, um, but yeah, 
and I think also like you feel yeah I'm definitely not part of the peloton anymore but you feel the same kind of like energy and adrenaline and you just see things from very up close mm. and that's something I really like so especially like passing the peloton or talking to the S's or seeing riders getting and it's actually funny because they don't notice me most of the time except when they dropped on a climb and I pass them and I'm like come on and I say their names or something but um, so you're basically a viewer from very up close do you ever do you have a favorite DS to chat with? Um, do I have a favorite DS to chat with? Um, actually, I do like to chat with the DS from uh, Phoenix Koning. So uh, he also works for Eurosport, actually, and I know him from the time that I was a DS from a U23 men's team, where when he was uh, also a DS for a men's team, and he was like crazy in the caravan so uh yeah he learned me quite some some stuff at that time so Michel Cornelis so I really like talking with him and I also like talking with Carmen Small my uh, my ex-teammate and um, Magnus Beckstedt is also really really mm. good to chat with yeah interesting cool uh, apparently journalists can also like put in a bid to go on a moto to go oh, in really? the race. Yeah. Which I didn't know about, but then Rachel Jerry of uh Rulaire went on the moto on s yesterday's stage stage four. And Amy Jones is going tomorrow okay. on the moto. So okay. I asked Ooh. if I could go on a moto one day. And they said everything is booked months in advance. I was like, the tourmalay? They were like, ha. They laughed. They literally laughed in my face. <laughs> So well, you have to ride up there. Uh, maybe Abby. next year. Yeah. 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 We'll see. Anywho, bike racing. I don't remember where we were. So, yeah. So, for example, there was one moment today that I was pretty scared on the bike. And that mm -hmm. was when we were behind the team car of SD Works. Oh, God. <laughs> and he had to brake like hell because of uh, bringing uh, Damien uh, back. Well, we'll talk about that later, I think. Yeah, that was a really interesting moment. I think, okay, so we, we were talking about there was an early break. Yes. The From the beginning, the stage was pretty much full gas. And there was a break of 10 that looked like they would maybe have a chance. But Kane and Shram missed that break. So Kane and Shram got on the front and they chased. And once they caught that break, they were very active. They were sending riders off the front. Nothing really stuck. And then finally, they sent Ricarda Bauernfeind off the front. And she soloed to victory. The third World Tour victory for Canyon Stram this year after quite a long drought of World Tour victories. And also, the third World Tour victory for them with a brand new rider. Someone they've only signed this year. Yeah, the energy of the team this year has been really impressive. And, you know, we've said for a couple of seasons that they're a team that is really aggressive and really exciting to watch but they just can't seem to make it stick in terms of the the big victories and this year they've managed to do that and uh you know three world tour wins wouldn't be a great season for sd works for example but for canyon Sram, who hadn't won a world tour race since 2019 before that it's been a fantastic year and i think it, it really speaks uh to an exciting future for the team given that yeah as you said they're all new riders um bound fine today and antonio niedermeyer at the giro and Chloe Diget at Ride London as well. Um, the next few years are, are super exciting for that team. Interestingly, Niedermeyer's win at the Jira was also stage five. Fun and fact. Yeah, to add to this, I think it's really cool that the, the stages they did uh, win, especially with Niedermeyer and today with Bauernfeind, 
or young riders, but they also won in like very impressive, in a very impressive way. Like these are the kind of memories that will that will stay, right? Like the 50th sprint victory by Webus is something. Well, probably I will not. I will not remember for a very long time. But this is one to remember. Yeah, and both both instances they were being chased by. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like when when Antonia Niedermeyer won at the Giro, she was being chased by Anamique, the pink jersey, and also uh, former World Tour T ITT champion, Olympic ITT champion. And it was funny because on the on the finish today, Anamique was one of the first to congratulate Bauernfeind, which she did also with Niedermeyer, and actually Royster also came over to congratulate her. Yeah, both Royster and Liana Lippert, who were chasing the two solo two chasers after after the solo rider, which we'll get to in a second, uh, were really happy to see the win by Bauernfeind. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You beat me to it. But um, no, I just thought that was good. I thought that was a really positive thing. And I, I like seeing teams congratulate other teams and, um, yeah, celebrate their victories. And uh, I think Canyon Shram has a lot of fans, you know, unlike SD Works this whole week. With, But um, I think it's also, as a rider, that uh, you... It, it, I mean, it's not just um, something of being polite. I think it's really showing respect and uh, to each other and i think they're also like on one hand you you have to stick stick to with your team um whatever you call it team duty or you have to do what whatever is best for the team which is in in the case of Reuser chasing Bauenfeind and i don't think she did that i think i'm sure she did it like with 100% but it doesn't mean that she's excited for Bauenfeind to see her taking the win so it's always a little bit double right as a as a rider I, I liked how Royster after the stage she was really funny about how she was off the front or off the front of the peloton on accident. She just kind of descended faster than everyone, and Lippert was the only one who was able to hold on. And then Lippert kind of sent it full send to chase down Baronfind. It was all a very weird situation. But after the race, Royster had a quote that was something like, "I really like Liana, and I was really sad not to work with her. I would have liked to work with her." And uh, and she went on to say that she she talks like a mile a minute. It's like trying to transcribe her interviews is is a nightmare. But she went on to say that she um, that second place for SC Works is, but for her it's quite nice. Well, that's good to hear that they're still happy with second. Or she is at least, yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, Damie was kind of like I mean it's at least Marlon got second, so they kind of both made comment about it second two seconds in two days but going back i don't know if i don't want to like lead the conversation but going back to the beginning of the race i think from the moment we got into the race with like 20 after 20k it was like full on and it since the since the start i think it's been full gas all the time and i think um my feeling from behind is that this was the hardest day so far of the tour and all day it was like twisting, like up and down. It was super technical. It was really hot. It was nervous in the peloton. I think it, this really was a hard day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I'm glad you mentioned the heat there because it was, I mean, you know it all too well being dressed in leathers out on the bike. But coming across the line, we saw a lot of riders just dousing themselves in bottles of water and just in a pretty bad state. Um, 
yeah, glad I wasn't out there today, that's for sure. But also because because of the course and because the, the peloton split multiple times, it's super hard to get bottles from the car, for example. So I think a lot of riders have been like quite thirsty today. Hmm. I actually, we have an audio diary from Ella Wiley, who was in that initial break and said she had quite an interesting day. So let's hear from her really quick. Bonjour. Hello, and this is April here, Ella's teammate. <laughs> and today was supposed to be a sprint day, but it was 2,000 meters of climbing. And we started on a climb, and then that's when I lost the group and went solo in my group for the rest of the day. <laughs> It was a tough one. Stage five, yeah, 2,000 meters of elevation, 126 Ks. Um, I ended up having a 40.1 K an hour average for the race part, which, um, yeah, that was, that was fast. Um, yeah, but I was in the breakaway. I didn't quite think that I'd be in it from about 5 Ks in, but you know, you get that on the big job sometimes, just from the gun. Um, and then, yeah, I think we got caught at like 80-something Ks in. And that meant there was still 50 to go, 40 to go. And the race was pretty on. The hills were hard. But, um, yeah, I had decent legs today. Ooh. It was hot. Poured lots of water on myself. Um, and, yeah, made it to the finish. I was on Lotta Kapiki's wheel. But... Um, Unfortunately, I also don't have the same sprint as Lotta Kapiki, so I didn't make it to the finish line on her wheel. <laughs> but maybe one day. Au revoir. <laughs> one more person that I want to just throw in right now. We have an audio diary from Lucinda Brand. I don't really know how her day went. I haven't listened to it yet. So this will be fun for all, for all of us. Well, it's a bit late in the day already, but uh, we have done stage six. And um, yeah, some people no, thought five. Oh fuck! It's fi uh, uh, they correct me five. Yeah, you know, like when you're suffering, you get lost a bit. But uh, some people thought it was really funny to go from the gun, but that's only funny when it's flat and not when it's three k uphill. At least uh, for me. <laughs> and uh, so it was uh, suffering from the begin, full gas, and uh, yeah. I don't know, I came to a halfway or something, but um, I think I uh, cannot really complain because I had some teammates who were really dropped, never come, came back. So I'm super proud of them that they uh, arrived on time and um, it was really warm, much warmer actually. And the only thing that I can say about the scenery is that the finish place was really nice. So I'll be it down again. Another tip. Um, yeah. Ah, yeah, Lizzie found a really nice castle. If you want to know exact place, you need to uh, rewatch the whole, uh, whole uh, race, actually, <laughs> to see where she just followed the motorbike and not doing the corner. Um, yeah, I think for now, we just need to keep eating a lot because, uh, yeah, tomorrow it should be a sprint, but you never know here because it's still French. And the day after is terrible hard. So I'm going to my bed.
I'll, in full disclosure, we took a break to eat our dinner and we're back now. So hopefully we don't repeat ourselves at any point or miss anything. We have to talk about Demi Vollering. So Demi Vollering had a mechanical, went back, had a wheel change, and then was chasing back onto the peloton. Zero teammates showed up until she was pretty much, I don't know, like 200 meters from the back of the peloton. In the process of trying to get back, she sat behind the car for a really long time. She got a very sticky bottle. I believe I counted four full seconds, like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, how Americans count. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, and so she was docked 20 seconds. Yeah, 20 seconds, 10 points in the points classification, two points in the QOM classification. She won't care about any of those, obviously, and also she won't care about the fine that she got. But, um, yeah, on TV it looked pretty brazen. Um, in her press conference afterwards, Kopecky was saying that she thought the um, the penalty was bullshit. She called it bullshit and she called it stupid um, and said that this sort of thing happens all the time in the race and that she wasn't sure why in this particular occasion Vollering got pulled up for it. But... I'm really keen to hear your perspective on Dearest because you were right behind it, right? Yeah. Well, I was actually wondering most why they would even take the risk because there was not really, there was it was not really necessary to panic. Like, yes, it was a wheel change takes always a little bit longer, but the convoy was still together. There was she was still in the convoy after the after the wheel change, and then of course that first part like getting back into the hole caravan with cars uh, with cars it's yes that's quite usual that you sit behind the car but as soon as you're in that caravan where where everyone is close together it is also fine like it was not like super hard racing at the moment so she could just like go from car to car easily up the caravan caravan to the front and uh, the DS could just be behind her like like it is like the rules basically and i think what they it looked to me that the ds was just super nervous and going on the left side passing the caravan which is not allowed and i think there is a difference between sitting behind the car going back after the crash or a mechanic whatever back into the caravan but passing the caravan on the left side with a rider on the bumper i think that is I think to me it's pretty clear that that's not allowed and it's really dangerous. Yeah, and there was a moment there where another team car tried to pull back into the convoy and the SD Works car had to sort of swerve onto the grass, right? You were right behind that. Yes, moment, yeah. yeah, I was getting like a heart attack <laughs> because, uh, um, yeah, because uh, it was, I think, the, the team car of co op. They were serving, serving, serving. I guess, serving a rider um, at that time. And that's also why there is this rule that you are not, that you don't have your rider behind you, behind you, um, when you when you pass the caravan on the left side. Uh, there are motorbikes, there are other team cars serving their riders. So it's just a dangerous uh, situation to do that. And, li and again, totally unnecessary there was no reason to panic and i'm also a bit surprised because denny stone was driving and i always see him as like a pretty calm and very experienced ds mm. and that yeah so i thought that was a bit strange yeah the funniest part of the whole uh exchange was the commissaire sitting right behind the sd works car 
coming up alongside and waving his finger very animatedly at, at Stam saying, you know, you, obviously you can't be there. But only that, he then went in front of the car and pulled something out of his pocket and uh, sort of mimed that he was writing out a fine or something for <laughs> <Okay>. Stam. <laughs> like, you guys are going to cop. And then he kept pointing at Stam through the window like, yes, you, you're the one responsible. And then kind of zoomed off. And I need to yeah. say, sometimes they are a bit childish, like these commissaires. You're a bit like, yeah... This is your moment of fame or whatever. So I, 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 I mean, there's always two sides of the story, right? And this is how I saw it. And I thought that it was just, I understand the stress of a situation. It's your GC rider, etc. But on the other hand, I also think she's an experienced rider. It's an experienced DS. There was not, it was not a moment in the race really to take that kind of risk. Um, and uh, and you know that all eyes are on you also, and they have given similar fines before in in the past few days as well to other to other teams. In the end, she she's only twelve seconds down on uh, on on Amik now in the general classification. So it's not like she, all she lost was her eight second lead that she had from yeah. bonus seconds and yeah all she lost but, but it was an unnecessary loss yeah and uh it could be decisive at the end you never know yeah and also interestingly like speaking of seconds um ash and Anamik and demi were going for the bonus seconds today on the bonus time um i think it was ash that went over that first yeah, there was a uh, bound find was already. Yeah, in front. so she would have steals maybe or at no, that time I think she was by herself, so she only would have gotten what three yeah. seconds. No, I think it's six seconds for a second over the climb. So, oh yeah, so Demi gets three seconds. Yeah, so Ash went over the climb first, and then Anamik, and then Demi. I just found it interesting that they that they were even trying, like whilst someone was already off the front to be going for bonus seconds. I just found it fascinating, especially Ash. Like clearly she's. I feel like she's she's like a tiger right now. It's kind of crouching. Waiting. Yeah, I was gonna say more like a like a I call it a leopard lizard. <laughs> lizard, yeah, because she's the green? on one hand she's trying, she's pretty invisible, uh, and on the other hand she's just like slowly climbing up the GC and getting seconds wherever she can. So yeah, she I got think, two seconds. Yeah, so I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and she's now second in GC. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, actually, in my opinion, she always plays it safe, um, and but she and that's what she does here. Like you won't see her like doing a, a Kasia attack, for example. But on the other hand, she gains seconds wherever she can. So the couch is lit up. Wow, I'm, and I'm not even sitting on it. <laughs> <laughs> actually, have an audio diary from Ash, so we should hear that really quick. Hey Abby, so today was full gas <laughs> from the start. Uh, was very active in the early parts of the race, um, which meant it, it was a hard race. Um, but I felt good. Um, I felt in control uh, all all the race. Um, there were obviously some, you know, kind of dangerous GC riders who were trying to get in the early break. You know, like. Um, Rihanna Marcus or Liana Lippert, um, and then finally Claire Steeles did uh, get into the early breakaway, which meant that 
um, yeah, today the teams didn't make the mistake of letting it get too much of a gap, especially Canyon Shram. They were really the team uh, to control it from the word go. Uh, so the gap never went really over one minute. And then as we hit sort of the steeper climbs of the day um, at 75 k's um, into the race. That's when we made contact with um, the breakaway, but also the peloton split again. So we were just constantly, you know, dropping riders. Um, but yeah, my teammates were once again uh, really great support. And Justine in particular um, had a great day today. She's been struggling to find her legs um, in the early part of the Tour de France Farm of Swift. So finally, you know, she's found her legs and she was super strong today. She was in the breakaway. And then, you know, as we caught the breakaway, she was amazing support for me. Uh, we ticked all the boxes. I got some points for the green jersey and also some bonus seconds and yeah moved up to second on gc um unfortunate obviously that it's happened due to a time penalty uh, for demi following but uh rules are rules and they need to be obeyed and so it is what it is um and yeah going into tomorrow should be a little bit um easier or you know should be a sprint stage um, but always have to be alert and ready um, as a GC rider and then yeah the the racing gets super exciting over the weekend with the uh, tourmalet and the time trial but feeling good and looking forward to the next days one more Veronica Ewers for everybody all right we're here at dinner hopefully there's not too much background noise I'm gonna ask some teammates to give one word answer for what today's stage was like. Here's Letizia. Full gas start. Georgia. Chaser. Magdalene. Gruppetto. <laughs> she said Gruppetto. And mine would be Woof. Yeah, it was full gas and really hard today. Uh, yeah, the legs are pretty wrecked. Two more road stages than a TT. Looking forward to it. We can talk about the seconds on the finish. Because I think that's quite fascinating. Okay. Demi goes for seconds at the intermediate sprint, mm -hmm. but she leaves the bony seconds on the finish. Mm. Because Royster is off on the last descent. Lippert comes with her. And for Lippert, she's like, this is great. <laughs> Royster is going to take the second. I'm going to take a second. There's no seconds left for Demi. So... Even better for Annemiek. I mean, that was really weird, I thought, that Royster and Liana were off the front. Like, that they even were yeah. able to get that separation. Because in my eyes, like, Lippert is Annemiek's kind of... I said right hand, apparently. That's not a phrase that Matt recognized. But, like, deputy. Like, yeah. her... her her first the first person she's going to be following when when it comes to the, yeah. the harder stages and that's what Royster is for Volering. yes and the fact that the two of them were even even had separation was fascinating to me in that like energy was spent that will be useful in the future yes i was surprised already when movistar let liana have freedom on stage two but then i was like okay well i was surprised but it made sense in terms of now she will focus on on Amique. Yeah. And then today happened. And I was like, what the hell's happening? Yeah, but actually, I think from Libert, it was pretty good because she takes a second. She only had to follow uh, Reusser. 
And I didn't see it either, but I think Reuser just hit the descent so hard that there was a gap. And Liberty's a good descender. She was on the wheel. And then she's like, well, if you're on the right, let's ride. And we'll take the bony seconds on the finish. And there's no left for Demi. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. So I think pretty smart tactic so far by, uh, by Movistar. And just... SC Works continues to just have just the weirdest tactics. Yeah. Like their tactics yesterday with Kopecky attacking and claiming that it wasn't because the yellow jersey was in jeopardy, but just because, I don't know, she felt like it or she was trying to get up the road for Damien. Like I, th- I, she didn't really have an answer for why she was attacking in the later yeah. stages of the, in later kilometers of the race yesterday. Their tactics on stage three with like refusing to chase, like just all all week it's just been really weird. The only tactics that make complete sense is stage one, Kapeki attacks on that climb. Yeah. But up after that it's just been like And that was something that they didn't agree on. Beforehand, apparently. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, if Demi wins with uh, 10 minutes uh, on, on the Tumalet, then we're all like, ah, oh, this had all made sense somehow. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if that doesn't happen, then yeah, we'll, we will talk a, bit, a lot more about it. I just think it's, yeah, what for me is weird is that the stages are actually really hard this week and I think that's expected mm. and there's been so many opportunities for them to take already seconds on Van Vleuten for example and they and they don't really use that, they did that this opportunity last year. they did this last year when on stage five, four last year the stage that yeah well, Annemiek was sick yeah and also. she was dropped and yeah. nobody did anything yeah. they, she was behind and they just like let yeah. her catch back on and I'm still mad about it yeah. Like, I just don't understand, like, what the end game is. Yeah. And whatever it is, it's not working. Yeah. It's fascinating. But they still have so many freaking wins this year. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we're watching it and it doesn't make any sense, but they've won 50 races this year. I think that's also just, in, like, if you all, like, want to summarize it, it's the interesting thing of this tour because, yeah, it's. Like winning an overall is also about not making mistakes. And I think Demi is the best rider at the moment. I'm pretty convinced about that. But I also think um, like she is not so far ahead of everyone else. That's what I say now. Maybe I think different on Saturday night. But I think she's not so far ahead that she can just... And I mean, I, I, I like Demi as a rider. I think she's great. But I think... For the team, it's not; they cannot be arrogant or something. They cannot just say, "Oh, we want all our." It's not Turinga, you know, where you can say, "Ah, oh, every teammate can win a stage here." It's the Tour de France, and I think every second counts. And I think riders like Annemiek van Vleuten are probably a bit like, "Well, nice <laughs> as the works." Like I'll, I just wait uh, until she was pretty chipper after the finish yesterday. Yeah. So. She was in a super good mood. Yeah, and I understand it because she knows I think. You don't know. No, but I think also Annemiek yesterday didn't look amazing in the race. So she, I think yesterday they could have taken more time on her. And they didn't. And they didn't. So, and that's also, I think, why Annemiek was like, well, this is going well. <laughs> because my, uh, my day will come on Saturday. 
Uh, we also have to mention, actually, that Lorena Weebus was out this morning with a stomach bug, so she didn't start this morning. Yeah. So potentially was part of the weird tactics by SD Works because otherwise I think maybe it could have been a sprintier finish today if she'd been in the in the peloton. Yeah. Um, and tomorrow definitely will be an interesting day. With but peloton, I think we talk about 30 riders? Yeah, it was yeah, tiny left. today. Yeah, it was tiny. There but was I, no sprinter left there, actually. Yeah, but had had Weebus still been in the peloton, do you think SC Works would have controlled it more and kept the pace, like, I don't Weebus think friendly? so. They haven't done that the last few days, so... God, I just... I, they're really hard to predict. <laughs> well, but the, which is also a strength, actually, yeah. if you're so hard to predict. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're just... They really want to keep us on our And toes. actually, I thought when there was the first break of 11 with Bredewald, I was like... That's a good break. Mm. To have Bredewald in the break is a really good, is really yeah. good, uh, good one to go. But yeah, unfortunately, didn't make it. Uh, okay, let's hear from fan favorite Jess Allen. Hey mate. Hey mate. <laughs> hey. <coughs> hey mate, how's it going? Excuse me, just been breathing too hard all day. Um, yeah, that was. Actually, I had a gut feeling this morning today was going to be probably the hardest day of the tour so far. And uh, I reckon it was, to be fair. Um, You could tell in neutral today, everyone was pretty edgy. Long 10k neutral, everyone wanted to be at the front. Uh, We knew there was like narrow, twisty roads to start with and quite undulating. And it was just full gas from the gun. Like, it was insane. Um, Found myself in quite a bit of trouble, actually. After about 10k and there was a big group of us, about 30 riders off the back. And when you're only 10k into a 130k day, you know, you're pretty much up shit creek. Um, So we basically never saw, well, we didn't see the race again. Um, And we just had to work super hard. Um, Really good cooperation with the 30 girls I was with. So hats off to everyone because it was a a really hard day. and for a little while there, I was a little bit concerned. Actually, we weren't going to make time cut. Um, but I think we made it by only like four minutes in the end. So big, hard day. Um, really happy with uh, our team ride. The girls did what they could. And um, Arne was up there for seventh, which is awesome. Um, for a sprint stage, which definitely wasn't a sprint stage. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so um back in the hotel now we're pretty lucky we're only like 15 minutes away from the finish our hotel and it's got a pool so we've just been for a nice swim and uh fuel up and apparently tomorrow's a sprint day so we'll see if uh that actually happens um but yeah happy to have made it through today because uh that was probably the hardest day for me for sure uh for this tour and uh Arno's looking good and uh yeah morale's still high on the team and uh we live to fight another day thanks mate that's that's about enough for today i think no i have my have my scoop what's your scoop that we're gonna launch a grant with the cyclist alliance of course i need to hear about this yeah so it's really cool uh so the cyclist alliance i'm i know you guys talk about it um, Big yeah, the the union for uh, for female cyclists, but um, we have a mentor program. We have it already since twenty one, I think. And uh, in the mentor program, we pair inexperienced riders with experienced riders, and then there's like an after career program with our podium partners, 
um, which are uh, live, Cannondale, SRAM, Track, and Specialized. Um, so there's like opportunities to do like work experience, internship, etc. And they also give like workshops to riders about like things like CV building, for example. Anyway, so that's great. And we had already for a few years in mind, like we want to extend the program with a pre-career program because something what we feel really is lacking in cycling or is not lacking, but there's an opportunity to make the sport more diverse, to give more opportunities from riders that, for example, are not from the Netherlands or Belgium or Italy, where it's a little bit easier to get into the sport. And uh, so this is something we are already thinking about quite a while. And then... Earlier this year, um, or actually last year, Strava came on board with the TCA to uh, to support us also financially. Swift came on board earlier this year to help develop that pre-career program. And then very recently, uh, we've been thinking about with Strava to build this, uh, to actually add something to that pre-career program, which is something... So to be clear, we are still building, so it's not final yet. But uh, they have offered to... Um, to create a grant for potential or aspiring riders. So it's gonna be called, and now I hope I'm 100% right, but the TCA by Strava pre-career grant. And uh, it's a grant, uh, it's a total amount of um, €100,000 uh, uh, by Strava. And we can give amounts uh, between two and five thousand euros to riders and they have to apply for it so for example if they're coming from overseas they want to raise in europe they're uh, looking for ways to fund tickets uh, visa uh, but also for european riders for example if they're looking for extra funding for coaches uh, nutrition support uh, you know all kind of things you can use you can think about that is necessary to uh, to be able to close that gap to the top, and uh, yeah, we can together with Strava uh, provide a grant. So I think it, that's super exciting, and all details details will be uh, will be clear very soon. The program will launch in September, and the grant will be, or at least you can apply for a grant in September, and then uh, the grant will be uh, distributed in November. Um, so yeah, questions. That's amazing. <laughs> it's really exciting. I think you guys are doing amazing work and that's a, yeah, a really great initiative and good on Strava for getting on board as well and for, for supporting the program. That's great. Yeah, I think basically I'm just really excited that we finally, that also industry partners see, you know, they see the potential and they want to inf invest in more long-term initiatives that are m might not be super, well, that doesn't give them maybe loads of publicity, but it would be really it, it can have such a big impact of, on the life of a, a young and aspiring rider, I think. Yeah, what you were saying about riders from those non-traditional cycling countries, that, that really resonates for me. Being from Australia, I know there's a lot of riders that find that step to Europe to be a really difficult one, not only in terms of the quality of the racing, but the logistics and being away from family and flights and accommodation. Yeah, but it's, that, it's so. already like... You know, cycling is so much about like who who knows who and who do you know and and places to stay and how to sign up for races and where to go. Like it's it's really difficult if you're not from Europe, for example. It, it's already a lot difficult if you're from the UK. 
to be honest. Mm. Uh, and yeah, and they were not even talking about like Africa or Asia or yeah, Australia. Yeah, it's super cool. I, w I think it's important to get all the information about how to sign up. Yeah. So once I have more information from you, I'll have it on escape.com, escapecollective.com. And so that information will be out there for the listeners who are listening and who maybe know somebody or just kind of if anyone wants to get involved, do you have any advice? Yeah, definitely. Because it will not just be, um, you know, here is here is money, go for it. But it's also just really helping them if like, I don't know, looking for, for places to stay, for more like the infrastructure around the network. Uh, and that's also something that's already in the mental program um, and I think that will be super useful uh, for for young riders but also to uh, to grow that for yeah. us yeah definitely I mean the US is not you know Asia or Africa where it's really 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 hard to get in but it's still like Matt I know how hard it is to get into the European scene so the more riders we have that are not Dutch or Italian the better <laughs> We need to overpower I agree, them actually. Somehow. I agree. Yeah. All right. Before we talk a little bit about tomorrow's stage, let's hear from Jose Bain. Today, she's going to be talking about Airbus because we race to the home of the aviation brand in Blagnac. Blagnac. Tomorrow we are racing to Blagnac, which is just north of the city of Toulouse. And Toulouse and Blagnac are the home of Airbus. This company is in France since 1970, initially as a consortium by French and German aerospace manufacturers, and later the Spanish and the British joined as well. It's the second largest airplane manufacturer after Boeing. One of the most famous airplanes is the Airbus A380 that was introduced in 2008. The minimum seating plan is for 555 passengers, but there's potentially room for more than 800. Initially, the A380 seemed like a big success. Middle Eastern airline giants like Emirates, Qatar and Etihad, but also Lufthansa, British Airways and Qantas bought the double-deck Superjet. Especially the Middle Eastern airlines used the space on board for crazy big suites and super deluxe first and business class seating arrangements. Etihad even has a free room apartment in the sky. There's a bar, there's luxurious toilets, and there's even showers on board. But what was once deemed the future of air travel quickly became a black sheep. The start already wasn't very promising, because when the A380 finally went into service after a very long run-up in 2008, a global financial crisis led to a collapse in the demand for a super big aircraft. During the COVID crisis, especially, these big superplanes remained crowded. Air France said goodbye to their 10 A380s, of which they own five and leased five. They are just very expensive to fly because of its four thirsty engines that make the A380 uneconomical for most operators long ago. And more airlines do the same and even dismantle the planes. In 2019, Airbus then decided to discontinue the model. 
due to a dramatic drop in orders and when even the biggest customer, Emirates, and they have around 120 of them, wasn't interested anymore, it was the end. I know the passengers love it. It's a very quiet and smart airplane, but the damage it does to the environment should be priority and not the comfort, the CEO of Qatar Airways even said. The times are changing, aren't they? The last Airbus A380 was delivered at the end of 2021. The A350 and the Boeing 787 Dreamliner are seen as its successors. And they are much more fuel-efficient long-haul carriers. And as it stands now, it is expected that A380s will stay in the air for around 10 to 15 years more. In Blagnac, you can book a tour around the factory and the huge terrain around it. But judging from the reviews on TripAdvisor, I think a trip to La Ville Rose or Toulouse is a better idea. Funnily enough, it wasn't the color; it was the color blue that made the city famous. It was the trade in pastel, a yellow flowering plant that yields a blue dye that made the local merchants rich. The name Ville Rose or Pink City is derived from the pink bricks that come from the clay of the Garonne River and they were used to build the houses. Well, we not focus on the pink, but we do focus on the yellow jersey today. So let's go. Stage six. It looks a lot like today's stage, actually. I think it's... (laughs) I think it's going to be a little flatter. It is. It is a little bit flatter. There's only four categorized climbs. They're all cat fours. And then the run into the finish is pretty flat. So I think tomorrow is our second sprint stage of the race. But who are the sprinters that are left and will control the race? It's a really great question. I think that I'm curious what DSM is going to do. I think without SC Works, they might feel a little bit more inclined to chase than they did on stage three, which is saying something because they did chase on that day. But I think they really back Charlotta in the sprint. I also think Gembo Visma is going to be pretty stoked to work for Voss tomorrow. If Voss is going to win a stage, it's going to be tomorrow. So they're going to be all in for her. I also think Emma Norsgaard maybe could get up in the mix. Like she's not really a sprinter, but also the sprint, the sprinting situation is a little bit more wide open now. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm really, it's, it's an interesting battle. Consoni, she looked so good on that last stage of the Giro, but, and she think I was, I think she was sixth on the third stage. So she was still like in the conversation. Um, a, A tour win for her would be insane. Can't wait for that interview. <laughs> you touched on it there, but just to highlight, the obviously we don't want to see anybody leave the race and Weber's being out is sad for SD Works, but it does really open up the stage tomorrow. And you mentioned a lot of riders there that could be in the mix, and I think that makes it for a really exciting stage. Yeah, and I think just to add that uh, we've seen today also that, again, yeah, who is going to chase? So I think there's also a lot of riders that will still try to be in a break. Yeah, and... If it's another super fast stage in terms of riders trying to get in the break, that's an even harder day for the sprint. Yes. Yeah, so exactly. It's really a conundrum. It will be so much fun again. <laughs> On the moto. <laughs> Hopefully it's not as hot as today. No, I hope so too. <laughs> well, thanks so much for listening. We'll be... God, no, I've been... I don't want to talk about the fantasy competition, Matt. I don't want to talk about it. Are you, like... 
really losing. Yes. I, I talked with someone last week and she's like, oh, great. Now I have a good day. And because I was like third from the bottom and I didn't know how big her like competition was. But I was like, well, oh. I am second from the bottom, I believe, mm. uh, after my choice today, which I thought was a really great choice. I picked Cash and Iwadoma because I knew today was going to be harder than everyone thought. Third from the bottom. I picked her. I picked the winner's teammate, so I at least had the right jersey. But I yeah, think that, that gives you no points, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> I love the Dutch. <laughs> um, which I didn't even mention that, like, one of the interesting things about me picking Nirodoma is that, like, obviously, if it, if she'd been the one to attack, people would have jumped on it right away. And uh, one of the reasons Baron Fine was able to get away is because she has Gasha as a teammate, I feel like. I'm surprised you picked Kasia because she's not into Taylor Swift. It was at a hard pick because, yeah. regardless of her taste in music, I still love her as a person. Okay. It's a common misconception that I don't like you if you don't like Taylor Swift. Okay. Good. I still like people who don't like Taylor Swift. I just have a little less respect for them. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> this was my last podcast <laughs> with you guys. <laughs> Maybe I'll convert you. To Taylor Swift, yeah. yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah, uh, maybe it'll happen. Matt's going to give us a quick breakdown of the fantasy comp. We won't talk about the Escape Collective League because I'm no longer winning that. So let's let's not talk about that. Um, <laughs> and in the overall, um, our friend Julius Pepperwood, his reign hath ended. He's now down in fourth place. Uh, and Dan N from the United States is now leading on 56 points. But there's a bunch of people clustered very closely behind, a few points behind including Marcus Inoz, who's a, a long-time supporter um, of the team here at Escape Collective. Uh, so, yeah, thanks to everybody that's that's been involved that supports what we do. And, uh, yeah, another few stages to uh, to try and get to the top of that leaderboard. I can't believe you would snub Jace like that after he rode half of Everest this morning. Unbelievable. Anyway, that's it from us for today. We'll be back tomorrow, stage six of the Tour de no, yeah, I just get this idea. I thought, like, you know, what would be fun if I get my my driver's license and you could report from the back of the motor? That'd be super fun. Yeah. I would love that. You think so? Yeah. yeah I feel like I would be, like, with Abby screaming behind me all day, like, <laughs> But you'd love it, right? It's a li it will be, like, a crit lead out, but then for three hours. I love it. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I have a little bit of experience in a crit lead out, although I am usually first on that. Train. Yeah, I was just gonna say <laughs> because once it really picks up steam, I'm you know can't hang. But um, it sounds like a blast. Sign okay. me up. Okay, cool. I'll think about it. We'll work on it. I let you know when I have my license next year in Rotterdam. <laughs>